Thanks for joining us today on the Port City Church Podcast. With multiple campuses existing within Southeastern North Carolina, our mission is to be helpful and hopeful as we reach people and help them walk with God. To learn more about the heart behind our church, we encourage you to visit us at portcity.church. Y'all are too kind. Good morning, Port City. How y'all feel this morning? Now, nah, come on. This, this is 11 a.m. Y'all had extra caffeine and extra sleep. So let's try it again. Port City, how y'all feel this morning? Amazing, amazing. So good, so good. Um, hey, before we jump in, a couple of things. Um, one, sometimes when you're a part of something great and you're in the middle of it, you don't realize how awesome it is, but people from the outside can see how great it is. For some of you, that's true about your families. That's just true about you as a person. Like, you struggle with insecurity and you don't realize that you're, like, you're really awesome and everyone else sees it but you. And I just want y'all to know, you're part of an amazing church. Um, I actually brought two of the guys from our church, Bo and Michael, they're sitting on the front row, to come and shadow and learn from the team here um, because you guys are a part of something special and you've built something special here. Um, and we're here for one name, we're here for Jesus, but the reality is that Jesus has always chosen to use broken people like you and me to be a part of his plan for the world. And two people that he's used to help build this city and build this church are Pastor Mike, who's out of town, uh, and Pastor Clay, uh, who love you guys and serve you so well. And so I, I just ask, can we give thanks to them for the way that they love and they serve? Um, I shared this in the first service. 2020 was a really hard year for us, and we were here. And Clay came over with his wife, Courtney, and just sat on the porch with us, socially distanced during 2020, and ate ice cream together. And it was just such a sweet moment for us. We hadn't been around people. We had a really hard bringing our girls into the world season. And just to be around friends, even in a different state, just meant so much. So I'm super grateful for you, Clay, and grateful to be at Port City this morning. Second, I didn't do this in the first service. I should have. I'm going to do it in the second. Andrea and Mackenzie, um, you talked about church planting and leading in Italy can be like being in a wilderness. And I can relate to that. I'm here, but church planting is a lonely and really difficult thing. One of my favorite movies in the entire world is this movie called Wonder. If you've never seen it, you should watch it. It's phenomenal. It's a story of this little boy who has a disability, and the whole school at the end of the movie ends up rallying around him. But the movie ends with this line that every person deserves a standing ovation at least once in their life, that someone should notice their greatness and what they're contributing to the world at least once in their life. So I know we already gave it up for these two, but could we give them the standing ovation that they deserve for serving and planting a church? Yeah, so good. Um, we haven't even had a chance to meet yet, but I hope you know that you're loved and you're valued and uh, they see what you're doing, but more than that, God sees what you're doing and he's honored by your life and the way that you've sacrificed for the kingdom and probably in more ways than I even have an idea of. So thank you, thank you, thank you. We're so grateful for you. All right, y'all ready to jump in? Great. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to take a few minutes to get there, but that way you can turn there a little bit early. Uh, my name is Gerald. I love getting to be here. One of the things that I love most in life, though, right now is getting to be a dad and a husband. I brought a picture of my family. Uh, these, these are my girls and my wife. Uh, that's Kylie on the far end. Our, ten, our identical twin baby girls I'm holding, those are Wesley and Zoe. Uh, they're twin two-year-olds. And then our third, her name is Trinity. Um, and we decided to name her Trinity because that was our way of theologically closing the circle on girls. So, <laughs> God, if you're listening, boy, please. And I'm at Port City, so I know you're listening right now. So hook me up, please. A boy would be awesome. 
Uh, so that's our family, and I love our family. They keep us busy, and they're a lot of fun, and we just love getting to do life with them. And then also, like Clay mentioned, we just planted a church in January of this year. Um, we started kind of meeting January of 2021, getting to know people, but official launch of January is 2022. I brought some pictures of where things are. Many of you have been praying for us, which has been pretty awesome. So that was from Easter, uh, and we saw people make decisions to follow Jesus. A few hundred, About 300 people, three or 400 people showed up, so really special weekend for us. This is from Good Friday, where we saw about 250 people at Good Friday this year. We're only seven months old, so this is kind of insane for us. Uh, and then this is a picture of our friend Bo, who's actually sitting here on the front row. He's the fourth person that we've baptized at home church, uh, and he's leading on our guest services team, and Michael's helping out with production. And so just really, really uh, grateful for the way God has been working in our church. Um, but we're crazy people, because we decided in the middle of a pandemic, October of 2020, I remember the conversation with my wife, that we were going to plant a church. We had just had identical twins and we found out that we were pregnant with our third, and we're like, yeah, we should plant a church right now. That's a really good idea. And so uh, our life is a little bit crazy. It's a little bit chaotic. I was thinking about how I could describe my life in a word as we're in this kind of summer Sabbath series that y'all are in. And the word that I picked for our life right now is a word that maybe you can relate to. It's this word right here. It's we're busy. Anyone else just feel busy right now in life? Yeah, okay, you're either raising your hand and you're honest or you're not raising your hand and you're a liar, right? Like all of us... At some level, we, we feel like we're busy. I've noticed in our culture that busy has become the new fine. Anyone else notice that? You ask someone how they're doing. It used to, back in the day, they'd be like, oh, I'm fine, you know. Now it's, oh, I'm busy, but, and then they explain how the rest of their life is going, right? Like, busy has become the new fine. In a lot of ways, busy has become like a badge of honor. In order for you to feel significant in the world, you have to keep yourself busy. Part of our busyness is also the reality that we live in the most connected time in all of human history. You can get on a flight and go anywhere in the world whenever you want, if you can afford it. You can get on social media and you can connect with people all over the world. Apparently now there's a thing called the metaverse where you can make yourself a cartoon character and meet other cartoon characters in different parts of the world, which sounds like video games for adults. I don't understand it, but it's a thing, right? Like we are so connected and that connectedness leads to a busy, busy life. I like to think about my life because I'm a pastor and I think about weird things. I like to think about my life like this power strip, you know? And um, I'm just so connected, right? Like there's so many things that vie for my attention. Like we have our kids and they're awesome and I love getting to be their dad, but they keep me busy. And there's moments where I'm like, I really love you and you're so sweet. And then there's also moments where I'm like, I wanna drop kick you in the throat. You're driving me up the wall. And if you throw another tantrum, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself, right? And so there's that. And then, you know, there's the church, which is also going amazing. But there's also the reality of the church that like we've grown so much in the first seven months that we're trying to hire people and find Finding someone to hire right now is super difficult. If you're in the business space, like you know how hard it is to find great employees. And so we're trying to figure out how to hire people and we're still trying to raise money and we're trying to figure out all the things to like make the church go. And so you have that. And then, you know, I have this thing that even though I'm an adult, it's still a thing that's a part of my life. Um, it's this thing called parents, you know? And uh, I realized that they don't realize that I'm a full-grown adult. And so they have, like, expectations, and they have desires, and they want me to come home at certain times, and they want me to do certain things. And it's like, okay, well, that just adds to the busyness of life, you know? And then there's, like, friendships, because I also want to have friends. Like, if you're a kid in the room, just know, like, your parents are also humans, and they like to talk to other people than you, and they don't want to watch Caillou all day long. And so sometimes, you know, it's like, I would like to have an adult interaction. I don't want to watch Coco Melon. 
for 12 hours. Like, I want to meet another human and talk to another human. And so, like, I'm trying to keep my friendships alive at the same time, you know? And so that's, that's a thing that's a part of it. And then I still, like, get to travel and preach some. And so that keeps me pretty busy and getting to go different places, like being here, which is awesome. But coming here, while it's amazing and it's a huge gift for me and I love being here, also means I have to figure out all the logistics for our church early. And so there's a serve day happening at our church right now and have to make sure all of the details are organized there. And so that keeps me busy. And then um, I got married to an incredible human who I absolutely love and love getting to do life with. What I didn't realize when I married her is that there's a, a thing that she also has as an adult called parents as well. And uh, they're now called my in-laws and they take time and they have expectations. And you'll notice their cord is a lot longer than, <laughs> yeah, right? And so, and so I look at my life And I'm like, I am so busy. There's so many things vying for my attention. There's so many things that are pulling me in different directions. There's so many things that I'm a part of. And in a lot of cases, they're really good things, but they still vie for my attention. And they have led me to be really, really busy. Now, some of you hear that and you go, Gerald, you have no idea what busy is, right? You're like, you're a pastor. You probably sit at home and play golf and write one sermon a week. Like, that's what pastors do. You're wrong, by the way, if that's what you think. But... You're like, you're not busy, right? Like maybe you're a college student in the room and you're thinking about your fall and you're like, oh, let me tell you about busy, Gerald. Like I have, a, I have classes on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then Tuesday and Thursday, I have an internship and it's an unpaid internship, but I have to do the internship in order to have some, some, something on my resume. Then I have to work and Saturdays and Sundays are the only day that I can work so I can actually make money so I can make my way through school. But if I work on Sundays, that means I can't come to church on Sundays and y'all shame me for not coming to church on Sundays. So I don't know what to do about that. And then I have friends and I wanna hang out with my friends, but I can't hang out with my friends because I have a boyfriend or I have a girlfriend and my girlfriend is mad that I'm always hanging out with my friends. My friends are always mad that I'm hanging out with my girlfriend. And so nobody's ever happy. And then my parents always want me to come home. And I'm like, I really don't want to come home because you drive me kind of nuts. And you think I'm still five and I'm like 18, but I don't know what to do with that. So I guess I have to come home, but I don't really want to come home. And then I have to apply for internships and for this master's program. And I'm trying to keep my scholarship because if I don't keep my scholarship, then I really cannot come home, even if I wanted to come home. And then I have all these extracurriculars that I'm trying to keep up with. And I want to work out because, you know, the freshman 15, which is honestly more like a freshman 30, is like a real thing. And it's hitting me kind of hard. And I don't know what I'm about to do about that. Some of us are juniors in the room. And you're like, I'm still trying to recover from the freshman 30 that I put on. And I still haven't gotten that off. And then there's sports and I want to be at all the sporting events and I want to keep up with those things. And then all of my friends are on social media. So I have to have Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and TikTok. And I'm trying to keep up with all the different platforms. If I don't keep my streaks alive, then we're not friends anymore. Even though I just saw you last night, if I don't comment enough on your post, you don't love me and I don't love you. So apparently I have to comment on all of the things. And on top of that, I'm trying to build my resume so I can get a job. But the problem is I can't get a resume because I don't have a job and I can't get a job because I don't have a resume. And so that's not really working out for me. And I'm trying to do all of that and graduate in four years, which seems like it's impossible. If you're a college student in the room, you're like, I am so busy. (laughs) But if you're a parent in the room, you look at the college student and you go, shut up. (laughs) You don't even think the word busy. You have no idea. Because I have a job, like a real job. 
like a real job with real expectations that I have to show up to and I have to work that real job because I have bills to pay. And if I don't pay the bills, then the lights go off and I gotta make sure I keep the lights on and I have to clean the house and I don't have time to clean the house because I'm working, I'm supposed to be a 40 hour job, but it's really a 60 hour job and they take all of my time so then I come home and I have to clean the house and then you want stuff from me. All you little kids always want something from me and I gotta take you to school and then take you to sports and then take you to hang out with your friends and then take you to your job so that you can have an allowance but really I still pay for all your stuff and then I gotta take you to the movies and then there's bath time and there's bedtime and then I have older kids and younger kids and there's prom and there's homecoming and there's graduations and there's SATs and there's college visits and then I got a car breaks down and I got to fix the car. I don't know how I'm going to fix the car. I got to find a tow truck to get me to the car and then I have to have social media because I know on Facebook that's where we're friends but you don't put your real life on Facebook so I have to go on your Instagram to figure out what you're really doing and then I found out it's not even your real Insta. You got a Finsta and a TikTok where you're really living your life and so I'm trying to keep up with all the stuff that's happening there and then I have a LinkedIn and I don't even know why I have a LinkedIn but they told me I have to have a LinkedIn so I have this LinkedIn thing that I'm trying to do. Also, don't forget, we're married and I every now and then would like to hang out with your mom. And you're like, kid, you don't know what busy is. And the reality of all of our lives, regardless of how old you are, what stage of life you're in, what your socioeconomic background looks like, what kind of family you came from, the reality is, is that all of our lives kind of look like this, don't it? You even talk to an elementary age kid. Their schedule is way fuller than it was when you were a kid, right? That we live in this culture that's constantly pushing us to this unsustainable pace and we are constantly busy going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing and we're trying to connect with each other and we're trying to maintain relationships and we're trying to keep all of the balls in the air at the same time and it feels impossible to keep up. And if you've noticed, we still haven't even talked about church yet. We haven't even talked about a relationship with God outside of Sundays yet. And my concern for us is that we're so connected and we're so busy that it feels impossible for us to find time to actually connect with God, to connect to the source that this goes in. And so it feels like we're doing a lot, but if we're honest, we're missing out on so much more. The danger of a life like this is that we spend our time showing up at events, but we often find ourselves missing the moments. It's not that you're not physically present, it's that you're not mentally present and your heart's not in it. It's that you show up places and you can't even fully be there because you're already thinking about what's next. In fact, for some of you right now, you're sitting here and you're listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth at the same time having a conversation in your mind thinking about where you're going to lunch after this and what's on your schedule for Monday in the meeting that your boss asked you to show up to and you have no idea what it's about. We are so connected that it's impossible for us to be fully present where we are and it seems impossible for us to connect with God. You're in this season where you're talking about the summer as a Sabbath and what it looks like to enjoy the Sabbath. And so what I wanna talk to you about this morning as I think about the busyness in all of our lives is a really simple concept but it's the idea of having Sabbath moments. It's the idea of having Sabbath moments. Towards the end of the series, you're gonna hear about Sabbath day, a Sabbath day and taking a day to rest and connect with God. What I wanna talk about is in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the stress, in the middle of the busyness of life that seems like it's never going to end, how do we find and where do we experience moments 
of Sabbath. The reality of Sabbath is this, is in Genesis we see God created everything from heavens and the earth, the water, the, the land, the sea, humanity. We see he did all of that in six days. On the seventh day he rested and he designated that day for all of creation to be a day of rest. And so we see that God has designed us for, for Sabbath, for rest from the very beginning. We also see that in the book of Leviticus and as the people of Israel are forming a nation that God gives them some laws and some ways to live. And he talks about the Sabbath as a law that they ought to keep to the point that if they don't keep the Sabbath, it actually could lead to death. And so we not only see that it's a rhythm that God's created for all of creation, but we also see that it's a law that God was serious about for the people in the Old Testament. And then we get to the New Testament and we see Jesus talk about the Sabbath and he kind of takes the Sabbath and he flips it on its head and he redefines whether it's a law or not for us. It's not a law for New Testament believers, but what he says is that you'll notice man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath was made for the man. So while it's not a law that you have to keep so that you don't get executed, it is important to us. It is necessary for you because it's a rhythm that God has made for you. So as we look at the scriptures, we see that rhythm, that it's a rhythm that we need. It's important to God because it's designed for us in order for us to fully function as the people that he's created us to be. And so Sabbath is all about taking intentional rest, intentional rest to enjoy experience and be aware of God's goodness in your life. Intentional rest to enjoy experience and be aware of God's goodness in your life. So in the middle of a chaotic and busy and stressful season, a chaotic and busy and stressful life, the question for us this morning is simply this. How do we experience Sabbath in the middle of chaos? How do we experience this holy rest in the middle of busyness? How do we experience what God created us and designed for when it seems like life is spinning out of control and we're running at an unsustainable Pace. To answer that question, we're going to take a look at an interesting passage for the month of July. Most people would wait for December to read this passage, but we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to look at the Christmas story this morning. And we're going to look at the Christmas story actually specifically from the perspective of Mary. Um, one of the things that we have a tendency to do as followers of Jesus or as Christians uh, is that we read the, the text as if the people aren't human. We dehumanize the characters in the Bible. We act as if they're these perfect, saint, superhuman people who never struggle, who never make mistakes, who never fail like we do. And the danger in doing that is it makes it impossible for us to actually relate to the stories. I think part of the reason that we have the stories that we have in the scriptures is because God is wanting us to be able to place ourselves in the story and see the way that he's related to human beings in the past so that we can trust his faithfulness to relate to and connect with us in the present. And so when we read the stories incorrectly and we take the humanity out of the story, we actually miss the significance of what God is doing and what he has done. And so we're going to look at the Christmas story because I would imagine for a lot of you, when you think of Christmas, this is the image that comes to mind. It's something like this. It's the first Christmas, you know? You have Jesus laying in the manger, sweet baby Jesus. Amazing. You got Mary and Joseph just looking down on him. Her hair's perfectly done. It's awesome. You got the three wise men just crowded, crowded, crowded around. There's shepherds somewhere. Maybe they're outside in the field. The animals are just like perfectly happy. They're not loud or smelly or anything. Like it's just amazing, you know? And this is the picture that we have of the first Christmas. And we put a little nativity scene on our tables and we imagine that that's what Christmas was like. But can we be honest? Can I burst your bubble for a moment? That ain't Christmas. It's not what it looked like. I mean, imagine it for a minute. Mary's going on about her business. She's engaged. 
her and Joseph are making wedding plans. It's going to be a big week. Everyone's excited. Everyone's thinking about the wedding. They're making the plans. And out of nowhere, an angel shows up to Mary. And she's like, hey, or he's like, hey, just so you know, um, you're going to get pregnant. And she's like, uh, it's mm. kind of like a prerequisite for that. And I haven't done that. So I don't really know if that's going to happen. And he's like, yeah, it is. And the baby's going to be God. Uh, what? I'm sorry. How do you want me to explain that to my husband? I don't know. Figure it out. Good luck. Peace. You know? <laughs> Mary has to go to Joseph, and she's like, I see what had happened was uh, there was this angel, and yeah, I'm pregnant with God. <laughs> Joseph's like, what? You, that was the best story you could come up with? Really? I see the way you look at Steve right now. Like, and so Joseph is, is planning to secretly leave Mary because he, he, I mean, this is a hard story to believe. And then an angel comes to Joseph and goes, no, 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 like, this is the story. It's true. Like, you need to stay with her. And so he commits to staying with her. But life is going normal. Everything's going fine. They're going through their routines. They're getting ready for the wedding. And out of nowhere, they find out that they're pregnant. And Joseph has to make a decision. I mean, this is stressful. It's chaotic. Like the season that seemed like so smooth and normal has now become this really chaotic and stressful. And now what we're about to see, a busy season. Because there's a census happening across the land. And all of the people have to go back to their original town. And so now we fast forward nine months and Mary is nine months pregnant and she's with Joseph. And they're going to have to go back to Bethlehem for the census. That's where we pick up in the text. Luke chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. So Joseph went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He was there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So we see David's, or, uh, Joseph's from the line of David, David's hometown, Bethlehem, so he has to go back to Bethlehem to register for the census with Mary because they're about to be a family, so they're keeping track of all of the people, and so they're going to do what they're supposed to do. While they're there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Cue the song. Away in a manger, this, sweet, this scene is so sweet. They have nowhere to stay, but Mary's as happy as can be. Yeah, that's not how the story goes, right? I mean, like, let's look at this, like, with humanity for a moment. Mary is nine months pregnant. She has a 90-mile journey to make to Bethlehem. It's the rainy season in Israel. It's cold, likely 30 degrees. And she's traveling on this desertous terrain by donkey for 90 miles, nine months pregnant. And that's just the start of the story. Because then they get there, and when they arrive, Mary looks at Joseph, and she's like, so where are we staying? And he's like, uh, I mean, you booked the Airbnb, right? Yeah, I forgot. Did you get the Verbo? Which I always thought was VRBO. It's not. It's Verbo. Did you get the Verbo? Nope. Hotels.com. Nah. So you're telling me I'm nine months pregnant, traveled 90 miles by donkey in a cold and rainy season, and we are here with nowhere to stay. Joseph's like, I'll figure it out, I'll figure it out. Finds this landowner, 
There's no space in his house, but he offers this cave, the cave where he would keep his livestock. And so now you have Mary, nine months pregnant after a 90-mile journey in a cold, rainy season, entering a cave. Water has broken. Things are messy, chaotic, and stressful. She's entering into this cave where the animals are perfectly laying down. They smell good. There's no feces. They're not loud. Donkeys and sheep, they're so quiet. And they walk into this space, and it's serene. The midwife shows up. The song, you know, Oceans is playing in the background. It's amazing. No. She's in a cave with animals as loud as they could possibly be, with feces and a terrible smell all around them. Her water's broken. She has nowhere to go. And this is not what she's imagined. This is not what the birth of the Savior of the world is supposed to look like. This is a chaotic and stressful and messy and busy season for them. But then it gets worse. You look at verses seven or verses 8 through 16. It says this. And there were shepherds who were living in the fields nearby, and they were keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and he will be a sign to you. And you will find this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and singing. Glory to God in the highest of heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom, on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Beautiful. Angels show up to the shepherds. The Savior's born. He's lying in a manger in a feeding trough. Go find him. Angels disappear. Shepherds go, let's go see. Beautiful story. Can we look at it from a human perspective? Anyone ever had anyone come to your house for a week? Ever have your in-laws come over? Ever have a friend come over for dinner that's not like a super close friend, but it's like a friend that, you know, hasn't been over before and you want to make sure that everything... You ever seen how your spouse acts in that situation? find yourself cleaning things that you didn't even know you had. You're organizing your whole closet. You're like, babe, they're not going to come into our room. It's like, I don't care. They might need to use the bathroom. It's chaotic. And now these strangers are coming, and they're showing up in an already uncomfortable, inconvenient situation for Mary. She's just given birth to the savior of the world in a cave surrounded by animals. And now these shepherds who she doesn't even know, who they also probably smell bad because they've been in the fields and they've been around sheep. And now they're showing up at her house. And then these wise men are going to show up later. And it's like, what is going on? This is chaotic, it's stressful, and it's busy. And then after the shepherds show up, this is what it says next. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what, they had, what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. And so now the shepherds see the baby and they go, you know what we should do? Tell everyone. So now everyone knows that there's a baby in a manger and people are showing up and they're wanting to visit and everyone's excited. This is a busy and stressful and chaotic season for Mary. Nothing's gone as she's expected. Her world's been flipped upside down. 
And just nine months before, she was going through life planning a wedding. And now she's just given birth in an uncomfortable situation. But then we get to Luke 2.19. And in the middle of this crazy, chaotic, stressful, crazy, busy circumstance, this little verse is tucked in there that shows us how we respond to the busyness and answers the question for us of how we can experience Sabbath in the middle of chaos, Luke 2.19. But Mary treasured up all of these things, and she pondered them in her heart. World spinning out of control. Shepherds have shown up. Babies born in a feeding trough. Animals all over the place. It's loud, it's chaotic, it's messy, it's not what she expected. But in the middle of all of this, Mary stops. And it's as if she does this. I gotta disconnect for a moment. I know this is stressful. I know this is busy and this is chaotic. But I gotta step away for a moment and make some space because I don't wanna miss this. I don't wanna miss this moment. People are traveling for, from thousands of miles, hundreds of miles, to see my baby. God allowed me to bring the savior of the world into this world. I, I don't want to miss that. God is up to something in the middle of this mess, and I don't want to miss it. So I need to pull away for a moment, and I need to get out of the busyness, and I just need to look at things for what they really are, because I don't want to miss what God is up to. And I don't want to miss what he's doing. And I don't want to miss what, what's happening and how he's working. And so I'm going to slow down and I'm going to pull away. And even though I'm still in the middle of the moment, here's what I love. It doesn't say that Mary left the cave. It doesn't say that she went on vacation. It doesn't say she just mentally checked out for a long period of time. It's a quick moment. In the middle of the chaos, she pauses and she goes, oh, I don't want to miss this. I got to see it for myself. It's a Sabbath moment. It's a moment of rest. It's a moment of enjoyment. It's a moment of awareness of what God is doing. I love this. Because in the presence of Jesus, peace is possible. From the moment that Jesus steps on the scene, He's born into this world and everything is chaotic around them. But in the presence of Jesus, Mary has a moment where she realizes, even though things are chaotic, I can still have peace. Even though things are spinning out of control, control I can still have peace. Even though things aren't going the way that I hoped they would go, I can still have peace. I don't want to miss what God is doing because where he is, peace is possible. Church, hear me this morning. Some of you are in the most difficult, most stressful, most chaotic seasons of your life, and you are going through the motions and going with the, with the pace of culture, and you just need to hear me when I say this to you this morning. Jesus did not show up on the planet Earth and die on the cross for you, for you to give into the culture and live a stress-filled, anxiety-ridden life. He's come so that you might have peace. It's the song that the angels sing. Peace on those whom his favor rests. 
That where Jesus is, it is possible to have peace. It's possible to have rest. It's possible to enjoy. It's possible to be aware of his presence, even when it feels like life is spinning out of control. Picture I showed you earlier was my family and I at the beach. We spent about 12, somewhere between 12 and 14 days at the beach, which 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Um, told our daughters the night before, we said, hey, we're, we're going to go down to the beach. And all the parenting books that we read said, like, hey, don't tell your kids in advance when you're going to do something because there could be like a blow up, blowout or things could go bad and then you don't get to go and then they're disappointed. And I took that book and I threw it out the window and said, yeah, I'm going to tell my kids whatever I want, whenever I want, because I'm their parent, not you, Susan. Um, and so, <laughs> sorry, I needed to get that off my chest. So, um, we tell our kids in advance. And so we told them like a day before, like, hey, we're going to go to the beach. It's going to be so fun. And we're going to have a blast. So here's the way it's going to work, okay? Daddy's going to sneak into your room. Like 5 o'clock in the morning, it's still going to be dark outside. I'm going to pick you up. You're going to stay quiet. I'm going to walk you down the stairs. I'm going to put you in the car, in your car seat. I'm going to buckle you in. You're going to go back to sleep. I'm going to get your sister. I'm going to do the same thing. Then we're going to drive for a couple hours. We're going to go get some Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. I'm going to get you back in the car. You're going to watch some Cocoa Melon for a couple hours. And we're going to get to the beach, and it's going to be so great. I woke up the next morning, and that's exactly what happened. I got in a room. I picked Wesley up. She's quiet. Two seconds. Her eyes open up. She goes, beach, beach, beach. We're going to the beach. I'm like, oh, my gosh, stop. You're going to wake your sister up. So now I'm, like, trying to jog with her to get her out of the room. I ruptured my Achilles, Achilles like, eight months ago, so that was a bad decision. So I'm, like, jogging. My Achilles hurting. I'm trying to get her down the stairs. I get her down the stairs. I put her in her car seat, and she calms down for a second. I'm like, okay, this is going to work. I buckle her up. As soon as I buckle her up and I start walking away, she realizes her sisters aren't in the car with her, and so she loses her mind. Full-on tantrum meltdown, 5 o'clock in the morning. So now I'm running upstairs to try to go get Zoe so she's not by herself. So I go get Zoe, and I tiptoe her down the stairs and I put her next to her. Well, Zoe hears Wesley crying and she's like, something has to be wrong. So she starts having a tantrum. So then we go get Trinity and we're like, guys, please stop screaming. Like, you're going to wake Trinity up. This is not going to be good. So we go and we get Trinity and we put her next to them and she's having a tantrum. Now we have three kids at five o'clock in the morning having full-blown tantrums and we have a seven-hour ride to the beach. Right. We get in the car. We start driving. It's the most enjoyable ride of my entire life. We get down to the beach we get to the hotel or Airbnb and we put all our stuff away and the beach is in walking distance. And so we start walking to the beach and we have all the stuff like packed up, you know, which packing up all of your stuff to take your kids to the beach in those moments, like those are the moments where you ask yourself, like, am I really a Christian? Do I still love Jesus? Because I'm not sure right now, you know. And so I'm packing up all this stuff and we have it all in the little cart thing, you know, and we walk over to the beach and there's like this little path and I brought a picture of it and they start running down this path. Yeah. And they're running down the path to the beach, and I have the thing, and I'm pulling it behind them, and it's Florida, it's Panama City Beach, so we're, like, sweating. It's, like, 98 degrees outside, you know, and we're dying, but they're running, and they keep running. And then there's this moment where they get a little over halfway, and Wesley does this. She just good and that stops. And everything in my mind is like, keep going! 
We're on sand and I have momentum. Do not stop. Keep going. But before I can get it out of my mouth, I hear my sweet two-year-old daughter looking at the beach. She goes, ocean? Ocean? Dada, ocean? Yeah, I'll get emotional even thinking about it right now. Because in that moment, I stop and I watch. And the Holy Spirit whispers to me, he goes, you used to see the ocean that way. You used to be so enthralled and so in awe of what God has done. His creation used to blow your mind. And you've gotten older and you've gotten jaded and you're aware that you're at PCB, which is one of the worst beaches in the world right now. <laughs> and all you see is the tourism and the busyness and the thing that you're lugging to get down to the beach. But your daughter sees ocean. She sees God's fingerprint on the world. And she didn't miss it. So don't you dare miss it again. And all it was a moment like Mary had, where I just had to stop and go, I don't, want, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss what God is doing in this moment in the life of my two-year-old, but more than that, I don't want to miss what God is doing in me because what God is doing in me is going to allow me to love her and lead her and disciple her better. I don't want to miss this moment. And friends, can I just suggest to you that we all need a few more moments like that? We need moments in the middle of our busyness and our chaos and our stress that we do what Mary did and we take in the moment for what it is. Three, thing Mary, three things Mary did, and I'll wrap up. First is this, as she pauses. In the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the stress, she just takes a moment to pause. Can I just say this to you? Maybe this will give some of you freedom in the room. Nowhere is it written that you have to keep up with the pace of culture. You don't. Nowhere is it written that being busy is a badge, badge of honor. It's, it's not. It's a burden that you were not meant to carry. Nowhere is it written that you have to keep up with the Joneses. Can I let you in on a secret? The Joneses are keeping up with the Smiths. And the Smiths are trying to keep up with the Murphys. And we're all looking at everyone else running an imaginary race that none of us are meant to be on instead of running the race with endurance that God has put us on. You don't have to run the race that everyone else is running. It is okay to push pause. It's okay to slow down. It's okay to say, I'm not meant to live the way that they're living, so I'm gonna pause and I'm gonna slow down. And the second thing that Mary does is this, is she perceives. Now, I could have picked a different word, but I'm a pastor and they all had to start with P in order for it to be a good sermon, so perceive. <laughs> she pauses and then she looks around and she goes, what is God doing right now? I don't want to miss what he's doing. God, where are you at work? Oh, our kids are actually playing together. They're not fighting. That's a gift. Oh, that, that relative actually came over for the holidays this year. They've avoided for the last three or four years. That's a gift. 
oh, we have a family. There's so many people who don't. That's a gift from God. And you start looking around your life and looking around the season that you are in and you go, where is God at work? Because here's the thing, God is always working and he's always speaking. We just move too fast to hear him. And maybe it's time for us to pause and slow down and look for where God is at work and then do the last thing that Mary does, which is this. She ponders it or processes it. Simple question to ask to process the moments that God's put in front of you is, God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you showing me right now? How are you speaking to me right now? How do you want to grow me right now? I don't want to miss what you are teaching me. I know you are in these moments, so I'm going to pause. I'm going to perceive. I'm going to look for where you're at work. I'm going to ponder these things often. So I don't miss what God is doing around me. It's possible to have peace even in the middle of chaos and even in the middle of busyness. But it starts with you and I choosing to disconnect so we can connect with God. Two practical ways for you to do this. One, you need to set a rhythm for Sabbath. You need to set a rhythm for Sabbath, meaning you need to set time each day. Doesn't have to be long, five minutes to go, I'm spending these five minutes with God. I'm gonna read the scriptures, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna see what God is up to in my life. You need to set a rhythm rhythm weekly. One day a week, I'm pausing from my work, we're gonna talk about that more at the end of the series. I'm pausing from my busyness. I know it feels urgent, it's not. They will be okay tomorrow without you. And here's the deal, if it's that urgent, guess what they'll do? Call somebody else. Take a day. You need to set a monthly rhythm. So once a month, take an extended period of time. Two or three hours, four hours, five hours, go sit by nature and enjoy what God is doing and disconnect so that you can connect with him. And maybe once a year, you and your spouse or you go by yourself and you spend some time in a cabin and you go, God, would you give me a word for next year? Would you show me what you want me to do next year? Would you show me the areas that you've grown me next year? I'm going to set a rhythm once a day, once a week, once a month, once a year to connect with you so I don't miss the moments. But bigger than just setting a rhythm, here's my hope for you, is that you would choose to carry a posture of Sabbath. That you would choose in moments to go, I'm not giving in to the busyness of this moment. I don't want to miss what God is doing. So I'm going to walk through life looking for moments to pause, to perceive, to ponder, and say, oh God, that's where you are. That's what you're doing. That's what you're teaching me. And that's Sabbath. That's what it looks like to experience Sabbath moments in the middle of chaos. It's possible for you and for me, but bigger than it being possible, I need you to hear me when I say this, you were made for it. God designed it for you. And in it, you find the most enjoyment. And in it, you find the most rest. And in it, you find an awareness that your heavenly Father loves you, he is for you, and he is with you. Church, hear me, where Jesus is present, Peace is possible. So I want to end our time together with this. Um, I'm going to invite you to just close your eyes right where you are. 
in my family, we joke, we say there's forced family fun. We are like, I really don't want to be doing this, but I'm kind of forced to, so I will. We're going to call this forced family rest. And just for one minute, 60 seconds, I'm going to invite you to sit in dead silence. There's not going to be music playing around you. No one's going to be talking. But let this be your pause for the day. And in this pause, maybe just take a moment, think through your week and go, God, where have you been at work? What have you been doing? How have you been showing up that maybe I missed? Just take 60 seconds to ponder that. God, what are you trying to teach me? And maybe in this moment, for some of you, you will hear God speak to you, not in an audible voice, but maybe just in your spirit. You'll hear him speak to you for the very first time. Just pause, perceive, ponder.